Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. I'm Lance. And I'm Rick. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Harvey Weinstein wanting to cut Snowpiercer. We're going to do a full review of Elysium with special guest Jeff Kanata of Newest, Latest, Best, and formerly of The Totally Rad Show. And then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, I think we should start right into our What We've Been Watching segment. So, Willie... Welcome back, first of all. <laughs> your triumphant return to the podcast. Yeah, I've been gone for a month. Episode 40 is your, your, your triumphant return. That's nice, I like that. Yeah, and we're close to a year, actually. We're getting there. Wow. We're like, episode-wise, clearly we don't have 52 episodes, but we skipped a few weeks in there, so... I mean, we've missed 12 weeks, almost, right? <laughs> Probably. It's not too bad. Um, um, <laughs> but yeah, welcome back. Thank you, it's good to be back. Yeah. yeah so, I, uh, what were you watching when you were in the woods? Well, I didn't watch a whole... I, I almost didn't have anything to say for what we've been watching, because I've been... Uh, what, what did you... What do you guys call me? Yukon Jack, right? I did. Somebody referred to me as Yukon Jack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did manage to squeeze in um, Olympus Has Fallen uh, a couple days ago. And which one is that? That is that is the one with um, Aaron Eckhart as the president okay. and Gerard Butler as the Secret Service agent. Okay, as opposed to White House Down, which is Jamie Fox as the president and Chen Chan as the Secret Service agent. Okay. Um, I like Olympus Has Fallen a lot, actually. I enjoyed this movie. The action scenes are are very well done. It's Antoine Fuqua, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, you know, Training Day and King Arthur, awesome movies. Love them both. What else did he do? Anybody remember his third, the other one I'm missing here? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Anyway, we're talking about Olympus Has Fallen here, and um, I, I enjoyed it. It, it is it is Die Hard. I mean, it, it really is the first Die Hard movie, but it's like replace the the Nakatomi Plaza with the White House. I mean, seriously, like <laughs> to the point where like he's making wisecracks at the villain over his radio, like like John McClane esque wisecracks. But I'm totally okay with it because <laughs> the last Die Hard sucked so bad. That I needed, like, the old school. It, it feels like that era of action movie, which I appreciate. That's cool. Um, and and Gerard Butler has a lot of fun with it. He hasn't done an action movie in a while, I don't think, so it's kind of cool to see him do that again. So he's been kind of stuck to, like, the romantic Bounty comedy. Hunter was such an action movie. Yeah, he's machine been doing Machine Gun the, Preacher, so yeah. much machine guns. So much machine guns. <laughs> um, he's, been, he's been doing all that romantic comedy stuff for a while, so it's kind of cool to see him, like, do an action movie again. Yeah. Aaron Eckhart's a little underutilized, I feel like, for being Aaron Eckhart, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. I think fun. that sums up Aaron Eckhart's career yeah, for the most underutilized, part. Underutilized. Underappreciated. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was, uh, it's a lot of fun. If you're looking just for kind of like a mindless, fun, not even, not, not soup, I mean, it's over the top, but it's not like, yeah. not like Expendables over the top. You know? Hey, Nick, stop scratching table. It's totally worth, uh, yeah, worth cool. a look, so. Okay. And I think that, yeah, that's out on DVD this week, so. Cool. Yeah. All right, Nick. Nick and, and Lance and Rick and I. Yes. Yesterday, I'll watch the first of the final episodes of Breaking Bad. I did not watch it. No. Because you're behind. And you don't really care for the show that much. Five seasons behind. <laughs> <laughs> so. So far behind. Nick, begin with thoughts. On Breaking Bad? Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I think uh, there was a... It's a weird episode because it's kind of the end. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of slow for a while too. I was watching it and I was like, "There's a lot of fluff here. There's a lot of shit I just don't care about," and I was surprised considering it's the like you said, it's the beginning of the end. But then they dropped the uh, cinder block on the gas pedal at the end of the episode, and I was like, "Hey yo," yep, and it really gets running. And I hope that the rest of the season is like that because the the beginning of it was kind of weird to me. Not the beginning, beginning. The beginning, the opening scene is incredible. But uh, after that, it, you're kind of like, like, this is... They're caught in a weird situation because you've been getting these teases of what's to come. So anything, rem even remotely mundane or day-to-day, -day, feels like a waste of time now because yeah. we just can't wait to see how the insanity happens because it's going to be it's going to be mayhem <laughs> and yeah and I think some of those uh, some of those scenes when given a little more context will also be like this is when, when we start seeing what those scenes were setting up in these final eight episodes perhaps I think there was purpose behind a lot of the mundane stuff but we'll see perhaps a lot of it just felt it felt weird to me it felt weirdly I don't know there was something just off about a lot of it 
Um, but I, I did really like it. I read some really interesting thoughts online about, like, I think it was on, it was a Slash Film article that said what 10 things we learned from the episode, and it was very interesting. There were a lot of great parallels between things that happened in that episode and things that happened in earlier seasons and earlier episodes that were pretty fascinating, actually. Things I didn't pick up on, but I, I haven't watched the whole run of the show in years. So yeah. um, I'm glad that somebody is keeping an eye out for that stuff. Yeah. But it was a great, it was a great start and it's just, there's only seven more, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Wow. Just, woo, man. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I do have one other thing I've been watching, but if you want to continue with. Breaking yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on Breaking Bad? Uh, I agree. <clears throat> Pretty much with everything they've said. I think though, a lot of the fluff was kind of necessary because I found myself wanting to catch my breath after some of the scenes because yeah. they were so intense that it was nice to have a decent amount of time to kind of cool down. Um, some of those scenes were just insanely high stress watching them. As the show is as of late. Yeah, yeah. and as it continues, it just continues to uh, ramp that up every season. Mm-hmm. And every season, by the end of it, gets even more intense than it was at the beginning. So I think there was kind of a lot of unnecessary, or I think there was kind of a lot of necessary setup at the beginning of uh, the episode. But... Yeah, overall, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Quite good. Okay, yeah. Lance. Well, yes, uh, yeah, I feel the same way as, as these two fellas, and uh, it's just I'm I'm noticing a lot. They're just they're just kind of like, now that it's the end, it's like they're kind of like buckling down and like even the music like is really really stressful as well. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like everything's coming to an end, and they really have to like up the drama, up the tension. So it's. I think they're doing a. They're doing a fantastic job, and and they've done. They're 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 a show known for doing flash forwards, flashbacks. So, who knows? All the stuff that we saw is probably going to be relevant later on. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, Nick. Uh, what was your your second thing? I've uh, started catching up on the Venture Brothers, which mm-hmm. was one of my favorite shows for a long time, and it was my favorite Adult Swim show for ages, and then I discovered Frisky Dingo. And that kind of usurped it for a while, and I was like, oh, hands down, Frisky Dingo is the best Adult Swim show ever. And then I started watching Venture Brothers again, and I'm like, oh, I'm so torn, because it is so, so brilliant. But I finally started watching, I caught up on, or I rewatched season three on Blu-ray, because I was a little rusty on it, and then I finally started watching uh, season four, and it's just such a good show, it's insane. Highly uh, recommended, if you've got an odd sense of humor. And the first season's a bit of a... It's, it's harder to get through because it doesn't quite they don't quite get the knack yet but seasons two through four so far have all been incredible and it's been really fun catching up with that and I think season five is either on right now or the first half of it is already over or something like that I don't know but I've got more catching up to do but I'm really excited it's such a good show I know Willie's seen some of it oh yeah, yeah I've watched the first three seasons I think all three yeah oh my God. yeah I like the show a lot it's so good yeah I, I watched the first season I Nick's request, and I thought it was good. It just never really hooked me, and I watched a little bit of season two, and I just never quite got there. But I think I'll. Once you get through season two, you're like, holy crap! Yeah. So, someday I will revisit. Oh yeah, you will. I don't know if it'll ever top Harvey Birdman for me because Harvey Birdman just sends a homing missile at my funny bone. But. <laughs> All right, Lance. What have you been watching? I watched a film called Mud, which is uh, really good. It's um, starring Mount McConaughey. Mount McConaughey, uh, yeah, and um, continuing the year of the McConaughey uh, <laughs> because he's done a lot of uh, a lot of really good films in the past couple of year, couple of years. Um, My, uh, Magic Mike was awesome. Oh yeah. And uh, Bernie, he mm-hmm. was in Bernie, which was really good. And I haven't seen Killer Joe, but he, I know he's he puts in a an in, yeah. very interesting performance. The movie is awful. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you know, it's just Matthew McConaughey. He also had Lincoln Lawyer before. Mentioned yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln Lawyer, very, very good as well. Um, so Sahara, psh, I don't know about that. I'm just, <laughs> Lincoln. just name, naming off uh, Matthew McConaughey films. So um, yeah, but uh, he's really good in it. Basically, it's a story of two young kids in Arkansas. They go to a remote island and they find Matthew McConaughey living in a boat, <laughs> and um, and the the movie you know takes off from there. Hijinks and, ensue. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's there's a lot to it. Um, it's written and directed by a guy named Jeff Nichols, who made a film called Take Shelter mm-hmm. a couple years ago, which is 
one of the finest films I've ever seen. Michael Shannon, right? Michael Shannon. And Michael Shannon's in Mud as well. He's not really used that much in Mud. I think maybe because he was doing a, a little film called Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. But um, in... Uh, did he in, have the Zod haircut? He probably did. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Man of Steel yet. So. Zod hair. Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to rep Jeff Nichols because he's done three films so far and this guy is a really good talent. And um, if you haven't seen Take Shelter, you really need to. It's one of the only films I've ever seen that keeps you guessing all the way to the end. And when I say keep you guessing, it's not like one of those like mystery kind of films, but it's just one of those films where it's like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen to this yeah. character. And not till the very last frame of Take Shelter do you realize you know, what, this, what this character has gone through. Interesting. And it's really good. So, and it's got a great performance by Jessica Chastain in the year of the Chastain, which she did like... Um, Zero Dark Thirty. And yeah, she did like so many movies yeah. that year. The Outlaws. Outlaws. Lawless. Lawless. All, all these films. So <laughs> definitely check out any work by Jeff Nichols. All right. Rick, you got anything you want to talk about? Uh, I was watching Dexter for a while. I was kind of catching back up. I, Season I, seven? I stopped watching after four, and then I recently blasted through season five and then season six is eight the current one i think eight is the current one. Right. okay i stopped about a third of the way through seven i just kind of lost interest again i'm sure i'll pick it up eventually um but other than that not much of anything okay except <laughs> for a horrible show that i i will admit i've watched the first half of season one of teen wolf <laughs> ah, it's okay. It's okay. MTV's Don't worry Team about Wolf. It. MTV's Team Wolf. So a friend's brother was in one of the episodes. Okay. And I didn't understand any of it. So I've I've gone back and kind of got the context. I wanted the context and I'm such a completionist, even though I <laughs> despite, you know, quitting on Dexter, I'm a completionist <laughs> up to a certain point <laughs> that I started watching Team Wolf. Gonna cut this out. Team Wolf, but not uh Dexter. Yeah, well, I'm not that far into it. It's it's <laughs> Still it's got moments of. Uh, it doesn't really have that many good moments. The story <laughs> has. There's something about the story that kind of hooks you in some capacity, but for the most part, you know it's it's. Pretty over the top. There's mm-hmm. way too much teen drama in it to be, of a, like real value, um, and they, just. Like abuse any moment they could, you know, add some subtext to. They yeah. just make it right in your face and super apparent. Of course, any messaging that they want to get across. People who watch MTV might need that. That's true. A little bit. <clears throat> That's no, true. no offense to anybody who watches. It. I'm sorry, that was horrible. <laughs> I don't know. They, they hey, don't I watch MTV. Program. No, I stand by what you say. <laughs> but, but I will. I, I will. Uh, I dare you guys to watch an episode of Team Wolf and not want to watch the next one. It is on Netflix. All right. Well, after seriously, our, it's after, up to three seasons or something now. Isn't yeah, there, there, yeah. there's your uh, Netflix yeah. consultant. Lady. After our uh, it may not be in my queue. It's not. <laughs> after our Kyle X Y rewatch. Yeah, I I think we should marathon them both. <laughs> we can't because then the joke will be meaningless. <laughs> we'll need a new joke maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Um. I didn't really watch anything, been pretty busy lately. I went up north this weekend and uh, didn't have any cell phone service, but they did have satellite at the at the cabin. Um, and somehow this means war turned on. Uh, directed by McGee, starring Tom Hardy, Reese Witherspoon, and Chris Pine. Uh, it was actually kind of fun. It's, it's, it's good, isn't it? It's fun. Cause, because it all, it, like, it rides on Chris Pine and Tom Hardy being charming. and I like that movie. Yeah, you like yeah, it? Yeah, I did. Okay, good. I, so, I saw, I was just on TV one day, I just started watching yeah, it, and it's good. Exactly. It's actually pretty funny. Exactly. So, you know, it was fun. If you like those guys, you'll get something the out of it. The whole, like, I mean, you know, they, they do the whole, like, their actual jobs kind of thing in the movie. You could have gotten rid of that, you know? Because, yeah. like, yeah. just them hanging out together and trying it's, to it's, bang it, it, it would almost be more. Fun. It would be more funny if they never had any semblance of an actual mission to take care of. Yeah. Because so. that, that kind of was just thrown in there. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. It was, like, a mechanism for... Um, yeah, it was often. Um, but, yeah, McG's okay when he's not ruining franchises. Um, mm-hmm. That's about it for my what I've been watching. So, we'll move right into our news story for the week. We have 
Um, Harry Weinstein wants to cut 20 minutes out of uh, Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer. And he wants to add some, uh, some voiceovers, narration. Because he feels as though, I mean, it, you know, maybe putting words in his mouth, but not really. He feels as though Americans are dumb. So Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer, uh, it opened in South Korea last week. And, um, you know, a lot of people are pretty excited for this movie. Nick, I know you're, you know, you have interest in this movie. I'm super psyched too, yeah. What else has Bong Joon-ho done? I think he did The Host. Didn't he do The okay. Host? Yes. I'll take a look real quick. Yeah. The, host, anyway, which the is, Host is the shit. It's a delight. It's really good. It is a delight. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. Um, and he did and I love the Mother. Cast. Which called, one is it? Was it called Mother? Mother. It was a mm. horror film. Uh, that sounds right. I, you yeah, he did Mother, yep. <laughs> no, man, you didn't do that shit. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I was, I'm really excited. The cast is pretty awesome, too. They've got a pretty, oh, yeah. pretty stellar cast. And it's got a very cool, the plot, the concept of this, this future, this wintry future where they ride on this train to survive is kind of cool. Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize. Okay, so yeah, this is a, I mean, it's got a pretty Americanized cast. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. We've been reading about it for ages, too. Yeah. They've, they've been working on it and stuff for a long time. A few of the same actors from the host are in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Harvey Weinstein of the Weinstein Company, pretty well-known for wanting to chop things up. He wanted to do a PG-13 cut of the King's Speech to get more asses in seats. Um, I think he also has been pretty influential on Tarantino as well with cutting up some of Tarantino's works, I think Django included, and, and maybe even back to, like, Pulp Fiction and stuff like that. Yeah. Did it so, work? Did, it, did, they, did they actually get cut? Because, like, I think the King's... Well, the King's speech, obviously, that, that didn't get cut. No. But, um... But no, I... See, I'm not sure, and I'll have to take a look. This is really good radio, guys. But anyway... How do we feel about the cutting of a movie simply because we want to aim it to a different audience. Like, this movie is being released at 126 minutes in its home country. What do you guys feel about this? It's certainly not anything new. I mean, it's been done plenty of times in the past. I just, I think oftentimes we don't hear about it, you know, like, until well after. Like, the, the interesting thing about the internet and, and, and the information age is that, you know, back when, when uh, Blade Runner came out, no one knew there was another cut of Blade Runner somewhere. Like, yeah. like the theatrical cut of Blade Runner adds a voiceover by Harrison Ford and really and, and, and removes some of the characterization to make it more of an action film. And I, I understand I understand the reasoning behind that. Um, that was a time when Harrison Ford was riding the highs of, of Star Wars and Indiana Jones. He was an action star, you know, and and I get it. But it once you do see the alternate cuts, at least for me, in my my experience, oftentimes the original cut or the director's intended to cut was I prefer over what the what the the studio decided to do. Yeah. So I'm I'm disappointed in this because I can't I can't say for sure it's gonna make the movie better or worse, but I'm disappointed because I know for a fact this is not the cut that the director wanted us to see. Um and it that bugs me and I'm mm-hmm. And another thing that bugs me too is is the, I know he wasn't quoted specifically as saying people are stupid, so that we need to cut mo- mo- yeah. you know minutes off this thing, but he he did single out the Midwest mm-hmm. in particular, and this is the Midwest Film Nerds podcast, <laughs> and I I think so I, screw you Harvey Weinstein. I think I can handle Snowpiercer, pal. So please don't cut it. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing is that movies that come out that don't talk down to their audience. This is kind of getting into what we may talk about later, but movies that don't talk down to people tend to be the ones that at least see critical acclaim, you know? Yeah, they, and, and who knows? Maybe Snowpiercer is a piece of crap. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe the... Maybe it needs to be cut. Maybe it needs to be cut. Maybe, maybe there's more to it than just he wants to make it, you know, more of an action-oriented film. But I, I, I don't know. I just It always bugs me to hear stuff like this, and I, and I was really psyched for this movie, and the, the movies that I worry more about getting... Uh, the studio interfering in post and stuff are the, are the bigger, the bigger releases. You yeah. know, like I would be more concerned about, uh, you know, the next the next Transformers. It's a weird example, but like 
you know, if, if there was some really cool stuff in there in the studio, I could see the studio being like, no, this is a Transformers movie. It needs to be 90 minutes and so on and so forth. Um, those are the ones I worry about. So Snowpiercer is like, what? Yeah, like, why? Like, How many people were going to see Snowpiercer? Yeah. I, mean, no. I hate to say it, but like, it, it doesn't seem like a movie that... I don't know. Who knows? Well, seeing Chris Evans' name attached to it, I'm kind of thinking that there, there's the concern right there. Cause, and you might be right. Yeah. His star power has risen significantly. Yeah. So, I don't know. I It bums me out, and I, I it almost makes me not want to go see it in the theater, which I would have otherwise. Um, I, it almost makes me want to wait for a Blu-ray release, because my guess is the... Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll be an extended cut. The original cut will be on the... Yeah. Yeah. But... I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm now I'm hesitant to go see it, which really bums me out because this is one of like the kind of more under the radar movies I was looking forward to see. You know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. The thing well, is, do, do sorry, no, I can. Um, do we trust our? Hold it right there. I just want to <laughs> okay. Okay. Can I finish? <laughs> do we trust Harvey Weinstein to make these cuts? I mean, because that's why I asked. I was like, has he been successful in ever cutting a film and it worked? Well, like, there were there were rumors about Inglorious Bastards, uh-huh. um, but those may or may not be true. Yeah, I think it was um, it was successful. Who knows? He may have cut it, and it's just not in the press. You know, mm-hmm. like like Willie said. You know, there was definitely stuff. I mean, I, I know there was definitely stuff cut from that movie for sure because I remember seeing trailers. There was so much stuff in the trailer as well. Yeah, that I, I remember seeing like a significant amount of stuff in the trailers where I was like, I mean, I love Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. and I'm totally fine with the cut we got. So whatever. But I would like to have seen like what. If there was a cut that Tarantino preferred before, I'd like to see that. Yeah. I don't know. He also wanted to split Django into two because there was more that... Like, Tarantino had an extended cut, but he didn't. Uh So. Yeah. Django Unchained's two hours, 45. So I'm splitting that into two with a little bit more. I'm not sure if I would have liked a two-part Django. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like a two-part Kill Bill. Mm. I think that would have worked better as a more concise one movie. Mm. But whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it seems weird that this artist's vision is at the hands of Harvey Weinstein, but that happens all the time with studios having Final Cut. Nick, what are your thoughts on Well, it's on tricky as well, because it's, it's a foreign movie, for all intents and purposes. Like, it's it's kind of a, it's a foreign director. I don't know where they're shooting it, if it's in America or not, but it's a weird middle ground. Like, the director has no play against Harvey Weinstein. No. Like he can't say no for any reason. Yeah. Although apparently, you know, he's against it. He's publicly against cutting the movie. He said no. It removes a lot of the character from the movie, but you know, a- Asian audiences and American audiences have very different sensibilities I think. Like how That's much true. really raw Asian shit have you seen and just been like what the hell? Like, <laughs> I don't think the movie is going to be that bizarre, but uh, he, Only know, God forgives. <laughs> yeah, he might. He, he, it's the it's the weirdness. The part that worries me is the, the voiceover, the voiceover, and the fact that they said they want to make sure the movie's understood, by audiences in Iowa and Oklahoma. Like, you're not saying we need to cut the movie because it'll make it better. You're saying we'll make we're gonna recut the movie so that people can follow it and go. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, Will the voiceover be dunderheaded, Nick? As as stated by Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I can't imagine Chris Evans doing a really enthusiastic voiceover. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's weird. It's too bad. They could have handled it so much more diplomatically. Like, apparently the Weinstein Company's people were the ones who said, we want to make sure the movie's understood by audiences in Iowa and Oklahoma. Like, that's some arrogant-ass shit to say, man. Yeah. That's like some Apple-level arrogance. Just, <laughs> just be like... We just think the movie will be stronger for having 20 minutes. And then, boom, there you go. Everybody's happy. But you turn it into this giant, like, anti-American sentiment. Because now other English-speaking countries are pissed at America. Because they're like, what, Americans are stupid? So we gotta, we got to suffer for it, too? You know, that's just kind of bad business. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I think it is pretty sucky that business is kind of dictating what the movie will be and what it represents and what the actual story or, you know what the actual art of it is. Um, but I'm also slightly skeptical about the story in general because it seems kind of just like a bad PR thing that could be easily... I mean, I'm pretty skeptical of anything I read on the internet in general. Yeah. But I, I'm a little curious about the other side of the argument. Um, 
that being said, I still think it sucks that business is dictating anything that has to do with art. Yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I think that's that probably sums up everything we can say about this. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening. When is it set for release? I'll take a look. Any idea? Um. <clears throat> yeah, it's been like in the news for a while, like in the, the film news. And it seems like it's already been done. If they're like, okay, we're gonna take twenty minutes out of it, you know. Yeah, it was re- it was released in, in in his home country. I and, yeah, in South Korea. There's I don't think it has a particular date yet for twenty for U.S. But it's probably caught in who knows what to do with it hell and that's why Harry Weinstein's like let's cut a bunch of stuff <laughs> by the time it comes out in theaters in the US we can import the Korean Probably. Blu-ray <laughs> which will be the real cut and we'll be good to go yeah it'll be like Battle Royale all over again yep yeah Battle Royale and Final Fantasy Advent Children <laughs> yep imported them right away get it <laughs> alright well I think that makes it time for our uh, our full review of Elysium so we're going to take a quick break. Lance and Rick are going to disappear, and then they might reappear later. They're going to merge together into Jeff Kanata. <laughs> yeah. That's what's happening. And then they will Voltron back, back apart. Yes. So, all right. Listen, listen. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> listen to this shit. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen to this review that's about to happen, and then we'll be right back. So. Alright, so now on to our full review of Neil Blomkamp's Elysium. Uh, joining us today, we have special guest from Newest, Latest, Best, and CNET's Always On, Mr. Jeff Kanata. Hi guys, happy to be here. Thank you for, for, for coming. We're glad to Absolutely have you on. Absolutely, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah, thank you for supporting my show and uh, getting the word out about Newest, Latest, Best, which I promise is coming very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. I, I'm excited to see uh, what, what the show becomes, and I'm, I'm glad that I could help give you a little bit of a push into the uh, into production so yeah it means a lot and uh, I'm uh, I'm excited for you guys to see it so I'm, and I'm excited for your audience to see it so um, the easiest way to, to keep up to date with that is to follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata with two N's and one T alright very cool so um, let's get to Elysium directed by Neil Blomkamp this is his second uh, second film after District 9 also with Charlotte Copley uh, quick little uh, plot summary here from IMDb says set in the year 2154 where the very wealthy live on a man-made space station while the rest of the population resides on a ruined earth a man takes on a mission that could bring equality to the polarized worlds so well, pretty apt pretty description accurate. there mm-hmm. so um, alright Jeff why don't you give us a, like your quick thoughts on what you think of Neil Blomkamp maybe and then kind of go into what you, what you felt about Elysium Okay. Are we, are we staying staying spoiler free at the beginning here? Yeah, we'll be spoiler okay. free, and maybe we'll do a few minutes at the end of uh, spoilers. Spoilers. Okay. Story. Well, I uh, I loved District Nine as most people who love sci- good sci-fi did. I thought it was uh, just a really interesting new vision, a bold new genre filmmaker hitting the scene. This was going to be Peter Jackson's Halo filmmaker, handpicked out of the blue. All he had done was this really interesting short uh, and we were all excited about his Halo movie then that falls apart uh, all the video game fans like me were disappointed about uh, losing that movie but then we get District 9 which is just very interesting socially conscious science fiction allegory uh, of apartheid and it uh, it blew my socks off it blew me away and also you get Charlton Copley for the first time and mm-hmm. he, this, his really his first time acting in anything pretty much and he's an interesting new fresh face, and he goes on to be an A team and a lot of other stuff. Um, so obviously, I was really jazzed about the idea of a, a second film from Neil Blomkamp. Love Matt Damon; that guy is always solid. Uh, I'm actually a fan of Jodie Foster, and I thought, God, this this can't go wrong. You see a bald Matt Damon in an exosuit. I'm like, <laughs> come on, this is gonna be this is gonna be a home run. Uh, and it uh, it was more like a uh, pop fly <laughs> into shallow center. Uh, it was um, it was a major disappointment for me. I was wow. 
massively disappointed by this movie. Okay. It retains that wonderful visual style that Blomkamp has. Um, and he, he clearly knows how to direct action. He's, he's got some really cool stylized, uh, eclectic or not eclectic electric visual moments in this movie. There's awesome stuff that really feels like he's still working through his halo, uh, pre <laughs> pre production <laughs> binder. You know, <laughs> we've got like halo, uh, style planet. We've got, Halo style shields and guns. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that clearly could have been in a Halo movie. Um, and that's awesome. All that stuff is awesome. Unfortunately, here, I think in contrast to, to District 9, the allegory, the sort of social consciousness is not done with any kind of uh, skill. It's just a big blunt instrument slamming us on over the head with a very thin allegory and it doesn't work chiefly I think because most of the all the villains are completely preposterous none of them have any any motive for what they're doing they're they're all just evil they just work in evil ways and while the science fiction concepts are pretty cool they're often just sort of not really explained and uh it is such a disappointment from plot to characterization to dialogue all the way through that really all I had to enjoy in this movie is the cool science fiction visuals, which are cool, but I could not have been more disappointed by this movie. All right. Pretty strong words there. But, yeah. Uh, we'll, see. we'll see how the rest of us feel here. I'm going to throw it to Willie. What, what did you feel about Elysium? Um, I... I... I pretty much agree with Jeff, actually. Um, I, I was really excited for this. Uh, I saw some of the early... I never watched a trailer, but I saw some of the early pictures, the set photos, and it looked... The, the look of the movie is awesome. Like, yeah. the design of Elysium, um, the the contrast between the look of Earth, which really has kind of a, a Blade Runner in the desert vibe, almost, which I, I liked a lot, um, versus Elysium with this lush green paradise. It was very cool. Um... And and Charlotte's the man still. I love Charlotte, and yes, he's he's borderline incomprehensible at moments here, <laughs> but it, it kind of fits the character, so I was all right with it. Yeah. Um, as for the plot and everything, I, I just like the heavy handedness of the of the social commentary just really really bugged me. Um, I I love social commentary in science fiction and horror films. Yeah. Those are the science fiction and horror films I constantly go back to, like the Romero, uh, the the Romero movies. Those. Those do it so well, and like they don't beat you over the head with them. Well, the later ones do. But, yeah. Um, and this just, I think it was a detriment to the movie. Honestly, I think that it just, I don't know, it left a bad feeling afterwards. Um, and and Jodie Foster, I, I I normally I like Jodie Foster, but I I wasn't nuts about her performance. In this why was at all. she French? Seriously. Was she French? Well, was why she was she French? in the movie, man? <laughs> like you have Jodie Foster, she's a great actress, and you give her. That dialogue and her character makes no sense to me. Yeah, it, she has no motivation. She literally only just wants to prevent the nice people from getting the nice things. You know, yeah. that's really she only is there to twirl her mustache and be bad. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. It's I don't understand why you would waste somebody like that. That's that's totally true. I I don't know. I'm the other thing that I really I that kind of bothered me most about the movie was that we don't explore the culture of either Elysium or of Earth yeah. all that much all that much at all really I mean we don't know who the people on Elysium are we get one or two characters from Elysium that are barely characters we don't see what everyday life is like in Elysium so when Matt as Matt Damon is storming the, the castle at the end there you almost got to feel bad for some of the like you I don't these people might be decent people like they just happen to be the people that had money that go yeah. to Elysium I mean I don't know you just I never felt myself rooting 100% for anybody in this movie, and you really should be by the end when he's storming the gates, but I don't know. I wish we would have gotten a little bit more into what the the culture was. A little more world building. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of that going on, and it, it really disappointed me. Um, and it, I mean, there were there were things I liked. The the tech and stuff was, was pretty cool. I liked the exosuit, and I liked... Um, I liked the the shield that Copley had. Yeah. Some of the bombs he used were very neat, but I just 
I, I, I love smart sci-fi, and I just feel like this was really trying to disguise itself as smart sci-fi when it was just really a big, dumb popcorn movie, which is great when that's what I'm looking for, but I totally was not looking for that with this. So. All right, fair enough. Nick, how did you feel about Elysium? I, uh, I kind of split the split the difference between really loved it and, or between, I guess, liked it and hated it. There were things about it I liked so much that I, I can't outright say I hated it. It was, it's definitely a, a significant step below District 9. Yeah. District 9 is just so good. It's crazy. My, I think my, one of my bigger beefs was with, you know, as good as Matt Damon usually always is, in this movie he was very good, but there's, part of the magic of District 9 about me, or for me, is... Shalto Copley was just such an unknown. Yeah. Like we had nothing to tether this guy to. And uh, Matt Damon has so much work behind him that it's hard. it was hard. I kind of carried it into the movie. He feels... As much as I didn't yeah. want to. And he was very good. He turned in a very, very respectable performance. But um, I think my other beef with this character is that he's not really... Like at the end of the movie... Oh, well, we're staying out of spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't... My number one gripe, I can't even really say. Uh... I guess just in, in summation of it, there wasn't enough of, a, of an arc for me for his character. Like, I wanted some huge sea change in his character. And, because uh, we really kind of get one with, with Vickis in District 9. Yeah. And not that I'm asking Blomkamp to repeat history necessarily, but I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a a, a change in, in Matt Damon's character. But I think a lot of what, what Willie said about uh, the world building and... and uh, maybe seeing more of, of other citizens of each, besides you have this one extreme in Matt Damon and you have the other extreme in, in extreme, extreme Jodie Foster, <laughs> and who's just Franklin Gella up in the castle twiddling the mustache. Yeah. Uh, it would have been... I, I usually never say this, but it would have been kind of cool for this movie to have been stretched out maybe into another movie. Or yeah. maybe... I, I, I always appreciate trying to make a nice, concise, single story. This one was really short too, surprisingly short. Like yeah. When I when I read a couple days before we went to see it, and I read it was an hour thirty seven, I was like, oh wow, that's that's weird. I wasn't like super excited for it to be that short. I was kind of like, give me a longer, really fleshed out. But I, I kind of what what Jeff and Willie were both saying is, it feels like there were there were a lot of weird, different villains pulling the movie in different directions, and you know, an over the top. I'm totally down for an over the top, crazy, just pure evil villain like Charlotte Copley's character. I was like, I don't even give a shit what he wants or doesn't want. Like, he's just fun to watch. But uh, I agree as far as the the overarching puppet master villain, Jodie Foster was definitely just very weird. Her yeah. choice with her was strange. The dialogue was, was was weird. A lot of dialogue Matt Damon had too. Just felt it didn't come out naturally. I don't know if uh, I don't know. It just nothing flowed the way District Nine flowed. Yeah. But the uh, it looked incredible though. Yeah, I, mean, I absolutely loved everything about it. Visually, was ridiculous, and uh, it even sounded great. I mean, the, all the sound effects were really cool. From a production standpoint, it was top notch. I think the biggest problem with Matt Damon is that he should never have been playing that role. I love Matt Damon. I think he's fantastic, and I think he gives it a great performance here. But this was obviously a role for a Hispanic male. I mean, <laughs> he really was. It is, and. The idea that this movie is trying to to convey uh, from a social commentary perspective is that the elite, rich, privileged, white upper class get all the good stuff while the minority lower class are repressed down on earth. But your movie is doing that <laughs> and is conveying that far better than the actual film is by showing us that only a white established elite leading man can get the part that was clearly written for a you know minority actor and because hollywood says minority actors can't can't uh, be the lead in a big budget summer blockbuster you had to cast matt damon so in a meta sense they're saying the message of the movie <laughs> Better than the movie does, <laughs> which is really a sad. It, it does feel like a step back from District Nine. Like there was there even anybody in District Nine of note when it came out. Like Not the only that name that they could attach to was Peter Jackson. Yeah, I don't. The marketing like... was so brilliant, and everybody was just so like, "What is this?" Yeah, where yeah. everyone went to see, you know and loved it, and a, a hit was was born. Well, yeah, a lot of that was, like, word of mouth. Like, people sat down in their seat to watch District 9, and they're like, oh, it's going to be sci-fi, whatnot, and then you get this kind of uh, comment, like documentary-esque, like, commentary on, on this this high sci-fi issue that also mirrors, you know, the and issues in Africa. From, from
from docu doc style to like narrative style there is so good so so like that i think that major word of mouth did that movie a great service yeah. and that's why i think elysium elysium's tracking at like 30 million for three days and i think district nine was at 37 million so you know i it, i kind of like that elysium was at the top because i want science fiction to to you know receive more attention nowadays but at the same time it just seems like it was it could have been executed in a much a much better way like i I'll, I'll get into my thoughts a little bit i personally think that um i'm happy i didn't watch district nine immediately before seeing this movie because i would have been even more disappointed <laughs> yeah but um that was the plan too i remember yeah yeah i, I did want to but it just feels like you have so many different one-dimensional characters and you can't just throw a bunch of them at the wall and expect like a good story to 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 come of that. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I don't want to re- retread retread too much of what you guys have already said, but it's just kind of District 9 was an expertly crafted commentary and this is just like okay, we get it. Healthcare should be free for a lot of people. Like it, you know. It yeah. it just it, that was disappointing. Um, so, overall, do we have any other, like, non-spoilery thoughts that we want to get out before we turn people away at the gates? Mm. <laughs> Not that I can think of. Nope. Jeff? No, I, it's a, it's a movie that I think has some redeeming qualities. It is not, it's not a terrible film. It's just, it fails on so many of the things that it seems to set out to do that it's hard to recommend. Yeah. Yeah, and, well, you know what? If you are somebody who appreciates some of the best space visuals that you're going to see on screen, in my opinion, I think you should go see this movie for that alone. Because some, some of those shots of Elysium were just absolutely gorgeous, especially since we saw it at a, at a real IMAX. And even though it wasn't filmed on IMAX film, it's still beautiful it's image true. quality and, and everything that everything that you see in space. Like... From from the visual aspect, the worlds that he created, I think he was successful at that. But oh, it, totally. would, it would have been nice to have more of, like you said, Willie, the culture and, and, and that kind of thing. So, all right. I think we're going to safely put ourselves into spoiler territory. Um, Jeff, do you have anything that you would like to start off with? Well, I, uh, you know, you can pick apart this movie on so many levels, but the biggest, the most egregious affront to my sci-fi sensibilities is the idea that there's this magic box that fixes anything (laughs) is extraordinarily easy to use everyone has one they're readily available sitting there empty and yet for some reason the elites don't want the the uh lower class to have them now i get it i get that that's a an allegory i get that we're supposed to learn from that but Give us at least some reason why this would want this this resource would be reserved for only the elite few. If it is that easily accessible, it doesn't have energy consumption problems. It's extraordinarily quick, like it can reconstruct a face and cure leukemia in like two and a half seconds flat. If it's all of those things, Maybe uh, throw one in the back of a flatbed truck, drive around the country, and let people use it. I don't know. <laughs> Jeff, they, you didn't, know? they didn't show you the part where you have to toss puppies into the back to make it work. <laughs> right. Exactly. That is exactly right. They didn't show me any part that showed <laughs> any reason why this wouldn't be the most commonly used device in the world. So I have a hard time as a science fiction fan going, um – Okay, why – there's a simple solution. Uh, oh, yeah, I have my hand in the air. Please, can you call on me? I have a simple solution for all of the problems in the world. <laughs> and, and it doesn't make any sense that you know, Matt Damon gets uh, irradiated and has to go on this epic journey when his boss – it seems to me his boss would save a ridiculous amount of money hiring and retraining a new employee by just letting Matt Damon sit in his magic box for four seconds and be <laughs> – you know, cured. There's no reason to keep that away from the people. The movie communicates no reason to prevent people from access to that. And so it its entire premise is flawed. And then the end when all is all is reversed by literally rewriting the word illegal to legal. <laughs> uh, 
that is, I have a hard time not just laughing at that kind of thing because it, it it's it's so simplistic as to insult my intelligence. It's like, you know, that give me some level of sophistication in my sci-fi. Give me, I don't have to be pandered to in such a way to make it that black and white. Like what's interesting about great sci-fi is that it presents, it abstracts problems that we have now by putting them into the future and letting us think about the problems now in a unique way because we're seeing it through this prism of futuristic technology. There's no prism here. It's like a tube you're looking <laughs> right at the problem. There's no there's no nuance and and that's really the biggest problem with this movie. Yeah, I you know, thinking about that ship just floating down that has like 30 of those machines on it that they just for some reason couldn't put on earth like Right, and, and yeah. they, clearly it's built in. The, the machine was ready to take off and, yeah. and fly down there. Like, who, somebody made that. Somebody <laughs> built that. It doesn't make any sense. None of this movie makes sense. None of the people's actions make sense. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. Yeah, and I think and it's just like piggybacking off of that real quick. We, we, uh, we reviewed Europa Report last week. Uh, you know, smaller, low-budget sci-fi film. That movie is kind of borderline intelligent people still doing somewhat intelligent things, but this movie just straight up kind of falls straight on, it fa on its face with that. Particularly with just, like, the implications of the world itself, as, as Jeff was saying in a lot of the ways. So, it's just kind of... It's interesting for me to look at these two movies, which, you know, they're both connected by Charlto, and that's about it. But as science fiction movies, and, and thinking about intelligent people and people in power and, and how they would act with this crazy technology at their hands. You have one movie that does it somewhat successfully and then you have Elysium which is just kind of like completely illogical. So that it's just simplistic. The the whole thing is simplistic and and I expected more from from this director and writer. Uh, and the fact that this is a late summer movie, I feel like we're moving into that period where you, you position something that has a little more meat on the bone. It's not just, just a summer blockbuster spectacle fair and, uh, having such high hopes from this, this director and this team to present something that has a little more interesting stuff to it. I, you know, I was massively disappointed. All right. Nick is particularly interesting considering how far in the future the movie takes place isn't it 2154 yeah. yeah that is so far in the future and i think that the biggest issue regarding everything jeff said like in agreement is that you think by then we would learn to share <laughs> like it's it's very like if this had taken place in like 2040 ish i would have been like yeah you know or 2000 you know maybe not so far away yeah because a lot of the a lot of a lot of the issues that, that Jeff raised, like on, on a level I get it. Sometimes people have nice things that they just don't want to give it to other people for fear that those people will learn how to take it or will duplicate it or they will simply just lose what makes them special. And so if everyone on Elysium, if the whole populace had been revealed to be just the total scummiest people in, that have ever lived and they're all just pure evil, then it'd be like, you know what, I get it. They don't want to share their nice toys because yeah. this is what makes them elite. And... But there's no insight there into Elysium animal. whatsoever. Yeah. We don't know what those people do up there other than swim in their pool. We don't know who <laughs> makes up that population, how it how it began, how people get access, how how you become an Elysium citizen. It, none of that is even remotely addressed and all of it I think would be interesting and make the movie deeper and richer, but we get just it, it is it is the most simplistic binary ver version of good and bad. The good people are down on earth, the bad people are up in the sky, and we got to get the the good the good guy from the ground to go up and turn all the bad people or all the good people, you know. It's 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 like a little kid wrote it. Yeah. You know, it's it's really I wonder if, if it got just boiled way down cuz it is like I said it's so short. It's weirdly short. Like what's the running time of district 9? Like, it's got to be in the ballpark of two hours. I'll look it up real quick. I mean, Elysium, Elysium's an hour and 49, and District 9... I don't think it's that long. District 9 is... Come on, Longer. phone. It's probably, like, shorter. And just it's 152, so you got three more minutes. It doesn't really make too much difference. Yeah, I, I wish... I mean, the, the summer movies are getting 
people are just getting bad at making like a good movie that's short. Like movies are just getting longer and longer and longer, which can be good or bad. But in this movie, in the case of this one, it would have probably benefited from being a little bit longer, like flesh it out a little bit more. But so much of the first act seems felt weirdly just weirdly paced and largely trivial a lot of what was happening i was like i don't give a shit like yeah i I wasn't particularly drawn into matt damon's character at all i was like whatever Mm -hmm. one thing too in regards to the uh (laughs) the children wrote this um there are so many plot conveniences in this movie like really really if this was lockout with Guy Pierce, I'd be like, okay, I'll buy anything because this is just the silliest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't care. But this is a movie that's definitely trying to be more than just the typical. You know, it's trying. It wants to be, and and just things like Bill Thickner happens to be the guy who knows everything, and he happens to be the one guy from Elysium on Earth at that. You know, yeah. or hey, we just happen to have this awesome exosuit that makes you be able to throw cars laying around here, Matt Damon. No one else wants this. Like just. Or, hey, we have a face-fixing machine. <laughs> Good thing Charlotte Copley's here with his face blown off because he needs this right now. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Where it's just like, really? That just happens to be what's going on right now? Come on. Like, I, I can buy one or two moments of that, but there's a lot of that in this movie, and after a while, it just it takes me out of it. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Um, I don't want to take up too much of Jeff's time. So... Uh... We, we can continue the discussion later if, if we wish to go in a little bit further. But thank you very, very much, Jeff, for, for joining us. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. I, uh, I wish that we had been talking about something that was actually easy to recommend. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was fun. I mean, absolutely. We'll <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to join us for something good or something. Then... Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Call me up uh, next time there's a good movie out. All right, all right. Um, so people can find you on Twitter at Jeff Canada. You got newest, yep. latest, best coming out soon. Very soon, yeah. Looking soon. forward to the the pilot. Um, yeah. Always and, on. Uh, we can confirmed every uh, every week on ShackNews.com. I don't know why I forgot we can confirm because I listen every week, but oh, uh, that's okay. I am actually no longer a part of uh, Always On. Sadly. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. So. But there's some but back past episodes. Episodes are, are still viewable and and uh, quite good, I think. There you go. All right. Well, thank you very, very much. Um, Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Good luck with the new show. I appreciate it. All right. See you later. Take care. All right, and we're back. Uh, I said that we would kind of continue on Elysium if we had any thoughts, but I think we kind of wrapped everything up. We're tapped out, solidly. Man. Yeah, so. Um, welcome back, Lance and Rick, for our food for thought. Thank you for Voltroning. <laughs> welcome Voltroning back down. Yeah. Um, De-Voltroning. De-Voltroning. So, Willie, food for thought. Um, welcome back, food for thought. <laughs> Hi. Um, we, uh, we talked a little bit about how Elysium kind of stumbles... Um, in its effort to provide some sort of social commentary. Um, there are a lot of movies that have tried to do this before genre films and not. Um, which ones succeed at organically weaving in that social commentary and which ones don't, I guess, is the question. All right. Let's start off with Nick. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Well, <laughs> No. No. Someone else. <laughs> Someone else. I'm still right. thinking. Lance, oh, I know I you have a few ideas. I, I had a few, but I forgot. John Q. <laughs> John Q. Yeah, John oh, Q. John Come Q. On. John Q. Is such an old film. I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. A bunch of first world podcasters we are. Come, come back to me on that one. <laughs> Rick. Should we restart? Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> I did mention that. Um, actually. One of the first things that came to my mind was a lot of the canon of Lars von Trier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, the American Unplugged trilogy, the where it's all about, uh, you know, Dogville or Mandalay. It's basically about how America has shit on women for years and then shit on slavery. Or, you know, by having slavery for so long, we were shitting on African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And the, the, but they've, like, the, the vehicle, or, like, the mechanics of, you know storytelling it's just it's completely I don't even it's disgusting to me 
the whole movie they just get you to sympathize with this person by putting them in completely horrible situations which is what he does in all all this movies anyway Mm -hmm. um and then it's just a sob story that usually ends in a lot of death or even more sadness yeah anyway those things were always just beating you bashing you in the face with a hammer of some commentary yeah I mean uh, Lars von Trier doesn't seem like a very uh Subtle man. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Shy boy. <laughs> really? Spit, I can actually spin that logically out of what Rick said. Okay. <laughs> Beating you over the head. Uh, killing them softly was the one that was just vile in how hardcore it was beating its message over the head uh, of just pure, like, oh God, I can't even, I don't even want to talk about it. It's just <laughs> so bad. It was such a letdown of a movie. And... Ugh. just from coming from such talent like Andrew Dominic and it just was so it wasn't there was no craft at all it was just like word vomit onto a page and then onto the screen and it was such a shame because we were teased with such great potential characters in the story and just to have this angry petulant kid forcing his message through the movie with it you had no you had no option but to walk away with any other thoughts other than just like god damn but yeah, I don't know. The, the only the other one I was going to think of, it's not really... It's a tricky food for thought, because it feels like we kind of... We're talking sci-fi before, obviously. But I think, uh, maybe not social commentary, but kind of interesting moral... Maybe not even just just moral predicaments. Uh, there was one I really liked in Oblivion, actually. Talking about... We're segueing into a minor Oblivion spoiler here. Yeah. For one, if you want to earmuffs. Um, but just the nature of when does, when does a clone become its own person or when is it, you know, just that in and of itself, like, is it its own person or is it a copy of the other person and how, when does it become its own personality? Um, it's that what makes us human kind of thing. Totally. And that uh, is such a fun puzzle. I always love going over in my head. And so that movie presented in a way that I thought was interesting. It wasn't. It was just, it was more of a tease of it. Like yeah. It was it in would, the movie, it was yeah. an element, but it wasn't the focus of the movie. But it was fun for me to walk away from the movie and go, just to think about it more on my own. Or like, we, we had a pretty long talk about that mm-hmm. point, I think, in our Oblivion review. But, um, there are some, you know, Willie phrased it in the, in the initial posing of the question of movies that do it organically. And... I always think of Spielberg movies because he seems to just do so many like social, socially conscious movies, but they're they're kind of the the main driving force behind the movie. So I don't know if the, if it really counts for the category. But yeah. movies like Amistad and Lincoln, he does so well, where you really get a great insight into what the period was like. And that's and, that's one where you're kind of expecting the social commentary. Yeah. So it's like it's hard not to beat you over the head with it, but if you do it skillfully, like. Yeah, it's not, I mean, beating over the head to me is, like, where it's to the point where it's kind of offensive and it's it's not done organically, like Willie said. It's just, like, it's being crammed on your throat and it's not woven well. Yeah. And Spielberg does that so well with a lot of his movies. I mean, he obviously loves to dabble in that genre, but uh, Amistad is one of those super underrated, underviewed movies that, that deals with a very heavy issue, and it does it so well, it's crazy. And uh, Blood Diamond. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Willie. I feel like I talk a lot about Romero on this podcast, so I'm gonna make this brief. But I haven't talked about him on this podcast in over a month, so we know that for sure. We know that for sure. Um, no, uh, Romero. He the early the first the first three Romero movies, um, the zombie movies, uh, do a really good job of of weaving in social commentary in a, in the zombie epidemic, using that as a tool to kind of tell a a story, um, and, you know, Night of the Living Dead, particularly the, I don't even think it was intentional, I think he's been, he's been quoted as saying that it was not an intent, it was not his intent, but, um, the, the racism, um, the social commentary on racism in Night of the Living Dead is very interesting, and it, and it but it's so, it's, it's very subtle, it's not super heavy-handed, and, uh, and I appreciate it for that, and, and same with the, the next couple, and then he kind of veers off the tracks a bit, and, in the last couple of um, the Diary of the Dead and uh, Survival of the Dead, I just feel like he doesn't quite know how to do that as much. Um, I liked Diary of the Dead, but, I mean, he he literally has a character telling you 
what message you should be taking away from this and what Romero's trying to say. Like, like looking at the camera and saying, hey guys, listen up. This is how it is. So it, that, yeah. that gets kind of silly. The only other thing I wanted to mention was um, <clears throat> whether you agree with him or not um, on his stances, uh, Michael Moore. Uh, I, when you make a documentary, in my opinion, it's okay to have an... You, cannot, you, you can't go into a, a documentary as a filmmaker without an opinion on the subject you're documenting, but a true documentary lets the viewer observe the events and hear from the different sides of, of what's going on and lets you form your own judgment. Michael Moore's are not that at all. Are they funny sometimes? Like, like he, he's, he's got a very good sense of humor, but like he's so invested in what he, like overly invested in what he's speaking about that it just becomes like, beating you over the head with it like no this is what really you know i don't know he he drives me bonkers sometimes yeah but even like even if you look at it from like a writing a five paragraph essay or something like that where you're supposed to bring in some evidence from the other side and refute it yes you would want a good documentary to go and take those like the best of the arguments that are out there put them before you and if possible, refute them, or at least acknowledge that they're there. That's what I would like. Michael Moore is kind of the furthest from doing that in a lot of cases. But. Yeah, and I've, and I've talked about I've talked about Werner Herzog before, because I'm a huge fan of, of the documentaries he's done, and, and, and he, he fully, in most of the time, he fully admits his stance on, on the subject he is, he's talking about, but he never tries to tell you that his opinion is is the only opinion worth listening to. He does not try to do that, and yeah. I appreciate that. So It's got to be hard yeah. for a filmmaker to, to like pull himself out of it a little bit and like just let the audience, you know. So. All right, Lance, did you come up with anything? Yeah, I did, actually. I came back uh, to my old boy Denzel. Uh, <laughs> so the, Hurricane, Hurricane <laughs> the Hurricane's a good movie, too. Um, but um, uh, John Q was not a very good film, but Flight was a very good film. And Flight is a movie, I don't know what kind of movie it is, it's a drama, pretty much. Um, starts out with this airline pilot who gets drunk the morning he has to fly a plane, gets drunk on the plane, and then ends up, there's some mechanical failure happens and he has to land the plane, you know, not while drunk, but land the plane, you know, in his state. And he ends up doing it, only, only a couple people die, and then he gets, um... Put uh, put on the witness stand about you know why why were you drunk you know mm-hmm. kind of thing, and um, the movie is is all about his personal struggle and I think this movie does it very well. It doesn't really hit you over the head so much. There's one scene that kind of tries to hit you over the head about life and about enjoying life, which actually stars your boy James Bajdale. He's nice. in it for for a hot second as a cancer patient, and he kind of just shows up and smokes a cigarette. And he's like. He's like, man, I'm living life. I'm, I see this beautiful woman and I'm living life, you know? And it's it's just, he's in that scene and he comes in and he leaves. And it's not so much hitting you over the head as more as, as like, you know, this is the theme of this movie. It's about mm-hmm. life. And it's about, you know, living a good life, yeah. basically. You know, because the character of Denzel Washington doesn't for like, I'd say, 90% of the film. And then he kind of turns it at the end. So that's a that's a good one, and there's another one um, that successfully does the message. I don't think it was trying to do the message, but it, if if you've ever seen the film Shame, directed by Steve R. McQueen, mm-hmm. uh, it's about sex addiction. Starring Michael the Last Fastbender. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Um, who's who's also in everything, um, the Michael Fastbender Award. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he but this film um, does talks about sex addiction in a way that I think is very, like, you, sh- you should approach it this way if you're ever going to talk about sex addiction, which is just show a sex addict. Just show what he does, all the despicable things that he does and how he lives with himself. And, um, you know, part of that film's success is that it, it doesn't really apologize for what he's doing. He, d- he just does it, you know? And by the end of the film, no one's, like, telling him not to be this way. Yeah. He just kind of figures with the, the circumstances that he's in, he should probably stop. So that's probably what I enjoyed most about that movie is that it didn't try to hit you over the head so much. All right. Well, 
that's it for the first food for thought in quite a few weeks, I think. Since before Willie. Willie left. I brought it back. Yeah, he did. Alright, well, once again, many thanks to Jeff Canada for appearing on our podcast and reviewing Elysium. You can check out his show, Newest, Latest, Best, as soon as uh, he gets the pilot out to his backers and, and hopefully he finds a, a, a production place. But you can also follow him on Twitter at Jeff Canada. Uh, many thanks to my brother at Mr. John for uh, our artwork and music. Um, send any feedback about the show or what we thought about the movies or uh, anything regarding us, even if you just want to tell us, hey, watch this movie, this is why. Um, feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at MFN Podcast, also on Instagram and uh, Vine. And um, I think that's about it. So, uh, Kyle XY, go watch a movie. Hashtag Sir Yes. <laughs>